It's live to tape. How the tech are you? <laughs> Fake audience noise. <laughs> Did you say Anything? live to tape? Yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're keeping right. it. We're keeping it. Go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having a little fun here. Uh, so this is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about tech stuff, some tech news, and other tech stuff we just feel like talking about, whatever uh, gets our fancy. I am historian Matt. I usually talk of little uh, tech news, and we've been doing a series on Lisp. So I'm actually not doing much on tech news. I do have some science news, uh, specifically some pandemic, a new pandemic news. Um, it's actually a monkeypox. So I got some good and bad news on monkey monkeypox, and so a little bit of an update. And for my Lisp part, learn the Lisp part four, lazy code. Uh, I probably shouldn't have named it that, but that's okay. You with the pink mic, what do you got for us? I am HK Perrin, and I am a software engineer. So I cover mostly software engineering news. And this week I've got uh, two big software engineering newses. Uh, first is Angular 14 came out. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Angular, it is a front-end framework, so a framework to make the front side of websites, the side you see in the browser. Uh, and my second story is Postmarket OS 22.06 came out. Uh, Postmarket OS is an Alpine Linux-based mobile operating system, so for phones and tablets. Uh, and over to Dave. Well, this week I have three stories. I have a a Google AI engineer was placed on leave for suggesting the AI may have become sentient. Uh, I got Bitcoin drops below $25,000 and seems to be continuing on its downward trend. And I got Google Talk, which is the chat in Gmail, uh, which I'm surprised anybody ever uses anymore, is uh, going away this week. I thought it was gone already. And over to you, Matt. All right. Let me get my notes up here real quick. So my first story is monkeypox, good and bad news. I got some updates on it. We've been following this for a few weeks now, and uh, some things have changed, but not, not entirely in the bad way. But first with the bad news, cases in the U.S. hit 45, which I think is about double from last week. A little bit mm. worrisome. But we were following a lot of people. They, they were like tracking like 400 people. So it's not out of the ordinary. I do not have an update on if they're tracking more people, uh, just how many cases in the U.S. Little worrisome. But nobody has any comments on that. Uh, the good news is there have been no cases of airborne transmission. That does not seem to be any transmission through airborne means. There. There is some thought. I think the, some of the science says that they're like detecting it in droplets that are coming from people's mouths uh, when you're speaking or, or in close, con you know, not close contact, I guess, close distance. But it apparently doesn't seem to be enough for actual transmission. And we don't see it. We haven't seen any cases. So it's for the general population. It seems to be fine. They're still recommending for medical people to wear masks just to be on the safe side, but so far so good. Also, so I, it does not seem to spread through touching the same item. So if you're 
you know, people touching doorknobs is like the, the common one, right? That does not seem to spread uh, monkeypox either. So I don't have to cancel my spitting in each other's mouth, mouths party, nor my uh, everyone handle the same sandwich party. Everyone handle the same sandwich party is probably fine. Spitting in each other's mouth is not what they mean by airborne. That's an exchange of fluids, so that would be a problem. So maybe do cancel the spitting in each other's mouths party. Yeah, you should probably do that. You should probably cancel that just anyways, (laughs) in general. Probably not a good idea. Uh, My last little item on this, um, if you get it somehow, the illness appears 5 to 21 days after prolonged physical contact with an infected person. So you'll know, you have some idea of what's, what's going to happen. You'll start seeing signs of infection in that period of time. And it does seem to be, you actually have to have physical contact. It is not any other way. Hmm. And that's all I got on that. Any uh, questions, comments? Okay. Uh, Just concerns. Just concerns. I'm also a little concerned about rumors that people are spreading that are not entirely true. More on that uh, Friday and Sunday, generally. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So uh, see our other shows for that. I I don't want to cover that in this this show. So that's all I got for Monkeypox. I'm going to move on to Learn the List Part 4. Go ahead and slideshow. All right. I hope everybody can see that. So learn the list part four, lazy code. I'm going to go over a little bit of lazy code, but first I want to cover something a little different that um, all lists do, but I'll show you the one for closure. So this is what's called the REPL. And REPL stands for Read, Evaluate, Print, Loop. If you've used some other uh, uh, scripts, you may scripting languages, you may have seen this before, but this is available for all Lisps. As far as I can tell, I don't know of any version of Lisp that does not have this, but I, don't, I haven't used all of them, so I don't know. But it's a cool little thing that allows you to try out code it's not really testing code. You're not writing tests, but try out little things and, and see how things work before adding it to your, your main project. So I am, as somebody has complained, I I am uh, running windows and I do not have closure installed on this machine. Although I could, it just, I, you know, didn't have it installed and didn't really have time to do it beforehand. So there's a way to get a REPL, which you could normally do just on your command line. Uh, there's a way to do it in a browser using Clojure skip, uh, Script, and that is this link that I have down here, which I'm going to open up, and we're going to see a, a REPL. In fact, I already have it open up. Here it is, right here. This is a Clojure REPL, and what I can do is you want to embiggen it a little bit? Biggen it a little bit? Yeah. Control uh, plus it. Yeah, there you go. That big enough? Yeah. So I'm scrolling down a little bit so we can actually see the, the, what is this? Uh, 
terminal kind of area. Um, let's do one of our favorite little tests, adding some numbers. That's not how I do it. I don't need the uh, square brackets. So I'm just going to add one, two, three, four together using the add function, the plus function. So what that does is it, it reads in that form that it put in, which is that function call, uh, reads it in, then evaluates. And because it's a function, a function, you know, returns a, a value, um, it then prints that value there on, on the screen and prompts, it loops. So it prompts for another, another value. And that's the REPL. Any comments? I feel like this has been copied in a lot of their scripting languages, so I'm, I'm sure it's not surprising for most people, but it's, it used to be like a big thing in, in Lisp because nobody else could do it. Hmm. Well, isn't it kind of just a shell? Yes. So really, Lisp copied shell. Except I think uh, Lisp is older than shell, right? Mm, I don't know. Isn't shell from like the 60s? Yeah, but didn't we decide the Lisp was from the 50s? All right. Like Maybe late 50s, win. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bring up my... I know we did said it in a, a previous uh, <laughs> um, slideshow, but I don't remember what the actual number was. I'm pretty sure it was late 50s. Okay. But, um, I mean, really, it's like uh, most other scripting languages don't have like have something like this. And it's kind of unique with the way that uh, Lisp works because you have everything basically as forms or contained in parentheses or square brackets. Uh, it makes it easy to do this sort of thing. And for the rest of this presentation, uh, I'm going to show some functions and I'm just going to use the REPL to show it in act the code in action, except for one thing. One thing I'm going to show actually does not work in this particular REPL. I did try it in a, a different one on my Ubuntu box and it worked just fine, but I'll get to that. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, Next question I have for Hunter is, have you heard of MapReduce? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the functions, map yes. and reduce. Right. So yeah. it, it's also like, it used to be a big thing. I think Google actually invented it to, to run code on big machines and clusters of machines, right? Yeah, so, basically the the style of parallel computing. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, of course, in Clojure, we have Reduce. I want to start re with Reduce first because there's some stuff um, got to, uh, I want to do with Map and some other stuff. Uh, but Reduce is kind of unique because it's basically taking a function... And a vector could be a list, you know, whatever seek you have. And it will basically send those, uh, the items of the seek in, into the function. The function should be, should take two parameters and two arguments. And in, I, I have a couple of versions showing up here. And the first one, it's reduced. It just has a function. And in my case, I have a vector here. And what it will do is it'll take the first two items in the vector and pass it to the function. 
and then take the result of that and the third item in the vector and pass it back to the function and then do the same with the 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 fourth and the fifth item and get the result so i have here the function i'm using is plus and the vector i'm passing in is one two three four five and that is going to basically add up all the values in that vector and because we have a REPL here um, and i have it over on my right here so i can copy the code over and we'll see it and we'll do it live to tape there we go we got re reduce plus and one two three four five turns 15. so you can see there's nothing up my sleeve and i'll do the other one which is another version of reduce that instead of just having the vector it takes um a first initial value and this is not very useful in this particular example but in other examples uh, other uses you may have something that's like a completely different type and you you want to reduce uh, reuse it like say you, you're collecting this into a set it could the first item could be a set and then i'm putting all the numbers into that set or something like this but in this case i'm using the plus function again the first value the initial value is zero and then my seek which is a vector is one two three four five it's going to do exactly the same thing as the previous one because except that I'm starting with zero, have the same result, but it's uh, doing it a little bit different. Cool. Um, on my slides here, I'm not gonna do the other ones, but it's just to show you like special cases if you only have one item in the vector, it still works. I was kind of surprised, I, I had to try it, that the version without an initial value, but only one item in the vector actually worked. I thought it was going to blow up, but plus is a unary functions and apparently can do the right thing for that. So I had uh, the function plus and one item and the number one in the vector, and I just returned one. Any questions on that? Doesn't sound no. like it. It's reduce. If yep. you've done some other functional programming, you've probably run into reduce at some point. But if we uh, we have reduce, we've got to have map, right? Map takes a function and applies that function to every item into a, in a given seek. And my first example here, whoops, eh, giving away the, the plot there. Uh, the first uh, <laughs> version I have here is uh, map with the function inc, which is increment, um, and the vector one, two, three, four, five. So what that will do is apply inc to each item in that vector, one, two, three, four, five, and basically increment, add one to each uh, number there. Let's try it on our REPL and see what happens. So we get the result. You'll notice that even though I was passing in a vector, it returns a list. And that list has two, three, four, five, six, which is basically each number that I put in plus one. Pretty straightforward. Uh, another fun one, it's good to know, is map can take multiple sequences. And what it will do is take the first, like the first time through is gonna take the first item from the first seek and the first item from the second seek 
and use those as arguments to the function. And this, and then the next time it'll take the second items from each seek and then the, the third and on and on. So in this case, I have map and the plus function and um, two vectors. One is the first vector contains one, two, three, and the second vector contains four, five, six. Basically, it's going to add up each number in each of the vectors and return a new seek that is the addition of each of those numbers, which, well, the new seek is five, seven, nine. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I know there's an equivalent to that function that you just showed in Lodash, uh, but I, I don't, don't what remember Lodash what it's is. called. They don't call it map. Yeah. Uh, the first one that you showed is their is version. Reduce. Like they do call that map, but um, the one specifically the one that you just showed where it goes oh. in order multiple seeks. Yeah. yeah, in order along each. Uh, if in Lodash you're passing in arrays, but yeah. yeah. Don't know Lodash. Oh, I'm curious. Cool. So I sure that you're probably wondering the other problem with is what happens if you have seeks that are different that have different number of items and the obvious example for this and the first to make it lazy is of course calling the range function with no arguments which makes an infinite uh, list of numbers shall we see what happens here yes do it well what it does is map just will go through each of the seeks and it'll stop when the first one ends, right? The short, it basically goes the length of the shortest one. So even though range is infinite, the other two vectors that I'm passing in here are both, you know, have three items in them. So it's just going to create a list with three items. The first one being the first, you know, uh, the first of each of the three lists at, and, First two vectors and the list from range added together, and then the second one and third one, on and on. So we end up with five, eight, and eleven in this case. Cool. So that was map. Any questions? You've seen uh, it before. And the reason it was five, eight, and eleven is because range starts at zero, right? So Correct. it was adding zero, one, and two. Yep. Okay. It it was adding zero from range one from the first vector and four from the, the second vector. Yeah. But I mean the vector that, that range returned in this case, because it only needed three was zero yeah. one two. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on from map. So this map is great, right? But what happens if you have either a really long sequence or a function that takes a really long time uh you don't really want to step through one at a time you want to do it fast we got these nice fast computers that have multiple cores and lots of memory we should just be able to to use all that right so assuming that the function you pass in is a pure function meaning it doesn't have any side effects uh and we've talked about side effects before but it basically means that you know it just takes data in you know takes arguments in and then returns a result based on that only on the uh, arguments passed in and doesn't alter the arguments that are passed in um 
that's usually not a problem in closure because everything's uh, immutable. You can't change them anyways. And it doesn't do any, doesn't change anything else. Like it doesn't print anything to the screen or, or whatever, change memory or anything like that besides, you know, what it's returning. Um, that's pretty much a pure function. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, I'm yeah. sure there's a more formal definition, but um, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. So you have a pure function and if the sequence that you're passing and the seek that you're passing in is immutable, meaning you can't change it, then you should be able to just paralyze the entire function, right? There's no reason you have to step through each one, one at a time. You can do multiple threads and call the function in each thread with, with different values from that, that seek, right? Well, guess what? Closure allows you to do that really easily by adding P in front of it and calling P map. Uh, I'm going to biggen this. Uh, so P map stands for parallel map. In this case, I'm using the ink function again and a vector that includes one, two, three, four, five. This is kind of absurd because this is not really worth it to paralyze this, parallelize this. <laughs> but if the sequence is really long, it might be useful. Um, or if you have a different function that just took a really long time, uh, it might be nice to, to paralyze this, but it will actually run this in parallel. It doesn't show it in this version. Um, it may have been so small that it didn't even bother to do it, but it actually returns the results in the same order. The issue you need to be aware of with PMAP, I think this is still the case, is it's just going to create the list based on whatever like returns first, you know, whatever order it returns. So you may not have the exact same order of items, you know, or results as what was passed in to begin with. Um, this could be an issue, but if you don't really care about order for whatever reason, it's, it's not, a, not a problem. Now I would show this in a REPL and I actually did run this on my Ubuntu computer, which I have closure properly installed on and it worked just fine though. It probably didn't, didn't run it in parallel, but, um, this actually does not work on this, this closure script REPL that I have here. I can um, probably I can tell you why. What? I can probably tell you why. Yeah. So I'm guessing that this implements closure in JavaScript. Uh, and yeah. in JavaScript, if you want to run something in parallel, uh, you have to spawn a web worker. Right. Which is... And that probably doesn't work. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, parallelized JavaScript is difficult. Asynchronous yeah. JavaScript is easy, but parallelized JavaScript is difficult. Yeah. So you can see it's, it's throwing an error. I'm pretty sure they just didn't implement PMAP in closure script because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it in yeah. a browser. That, that error is coming from JavaScript and it means that you're trying to read the call property on, on a function, um, to yeah. call that function and give it arguments. Uh, but that function is not actually a function. It's undefined. So it doesn't have the property call, which is why you're getting that, yeah. uh, that specific error. 
So yeah, it, this one doesn't work, but I, I assure you, if you have Clojure in, installed on your local computer, it, it works fine. Um, exactly how it does the parallelism, uh, there's a lot of internal stuff that, that deals with it and tries to does the best thing. Uh, I believe you can set some, per, you know, parameters or something uh, internally to Clojure if you want to change how PMAP works for a particular uh, program. But that is well beyond what I know and how to do and <laughs> beyond the scope of this, uh, this little uh, lesson here. So I want to cover one more function called filter. I'm going to make this big again, just because this is, this is just basically an example function that uh, stands for a bunch of other functions. So the filter takes uh, a function and a seek, and the function that it takes should return true or false. And it will take one argument and returns true or false. And basically what filter is going to do is uh, apply the function to each item in the given seek. And if the function returns true, it's going to keep that item. And if it returns false, it drops it. So in the case that I have here, this example that I have, I'm using the function called even that ends in a question mark because you can do that in Clojure. And that's basically a function that says, is this even? A number passed to it, is it even? And then I have, I have a little longer vector because this is gonna make it a lot shorter. So I have a vector that's one, two, three, four, five, and six. And if I run it, it should return two, four, and six, basically the even numbers from that vector. So let's try that out and see what happens. Real quick, this is supported in uh, Closure Script. So here you can see there's nothing up my sleeve, it works. And one of the reasons I wanted to show filter is like, it's nice, it, it actually takes a longer sequence and makes it shorter, but there's a bunch of functions in Clojure and another list that that do, does all this manipulation on list and in closure it's a seek right um that's why lisp is called lisp right lisp processor and you can just do about anything you can think of with these functions and if you can't do it with one function you can combine them to do uh multiple you know combine multiple functions i'm sure you can do the, the right thing and speaking of combining a function, uh, filter is also lazy. So let's try doing the same thing, but instead of having a, you know, a vector, we're going to use our range call again. And so we end up making an infinite list of positive integers, and we're just going to grab the even ones. But because this is in a REPL, if I didn't, to add this other part, which is take the first five, um, it would go on forever and we don't want to do that. So I'm just going to take the first five and see what happens. We get the first five from the infinite range, zero, two, four, six, and eight, all even numbers. And you notice it didn't uh, actually instantiate all of the range, the infinite list. It, it just took the first five and worked fine because it's all lazy and fun. And that's all I have. Uh, I just want, I mostly wanted to cover the REPL and show some uh, interesting functions. 
Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I have a few ideas for the, the next one, but uh, I'll have to see what happens then. That's all I got. Any questions, comments? Uh, that was cool. To keep it short. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with those functions because they exist in pretty much every language. But yeah, it's I cool. thought so. It's really cool to see like the power of the lazy loading yeah. thing, uh, like how it's built lazy into the, the functions of the language yeah. like that. Uh, I really, I really like that. Yeah. It can be really cool. Cause you, you could, uh, you know, combine all these functions together and it has some like infinite list or something, but you don't know until later exactly how much you're going to take to begin with. And it just does the right thing and doesn't, uh, ever blow up your memory. Usually, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's pretty cool. That's all I got. I tried to go short. I think I, I think I did it. Something shorter. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I guess I will go. And uh, my first story is Angular 14. Uh, Angular 14 was released uh, and it includes a couple really cool new features. Uh, the first cool new feature is Angular standalone components. Uh, an Angular standalone component is uh, basically a component without a module. The way Angular works is like you you define a module and then you add components to it, uh, and that's how you build your application. Uh, but with standalone components, you can define a component without a module, and then all you need to do is import that that component into anything else in your app, and you can use it right away. Uh, so because you are less reliant on ng modules when you are coding your your app your standalone component uh you can uh have more streamlined development uh where you you just import your your standalone component uh instead of a whole module uh so one point that i've uh i've read people talking about this is it makes getting into angular a lot easier so like if you're just getting started with angular angular 14 should be a lot easier to learn than the previous versions of angular uh another really cool thing is strict typing in angular reactive forms so angular is kind of a framework that takes the kitchen sink approach to frameworks where whatever you want to do angular can handle it for you uh and their reactive forms are just that they're forms that all you have to do is define how the data is related to each other and Angular handles the entire form for you. Uh, and adding strict typing to this is really important and was, uh, I think, the number one requested issue on, on GitHub for a while. Uh, so basically, they're adding strict typing to the form's schema. Uh, so how you define how that... Uh, how that uh, that data is related to one another inside of the form. So it should be much more powerful. Uh, like their, their reactive forms feature should be much more powerful now that uh, you can strictly define what types the data exists in inside that form. So it's, it's strict typing as in it like 
requires a specific type and tells you what type that is and everything. Is it um, static typing? Uh. That's a good question. I don't actually know. I okay. I think um, it's strict typing as in like if you define something like say this is a number, uh, it can never be a string unless I guess you might also be able to define like this could be a number or a string. Uh, okay. So in that way, it wouldn't be static typing, but it's still strict typing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not actually sure on that one. Uh, but yeah, a uh, fun story about Angular. I used to work uh, on an Angular app. Uh, it was right before I joined Google. I was working on an Angular app at a startup. And that was back when it was AngularJS. It was just called Angular back then, but that is what became AngularJS. And... Recently, I started taking a look at Angular, uh, like what is now called Angular, which was at the time a complete rewrite of what is now known as AngularJS uh, or Angular 1.0. Uh, and Angular, like the, the new Angular compared to AngularJS is so different. Like when I say complete rewrite, it, it was a complete rewrite there's like very little that is similar between them similar not similar but similar similar okay similar yeah uh but yeah angular is a very cool framework you can do a lot of really neat things with it i've built one tiny to-do app with it the new version uh and that that's it and it's it's very strange but it's very powerful uh so moving on to my next story, PostMarket OS 22.06 came out. This is an Alpine Linux-based mobile operating system. So an OS for your phone, your tablet. Uh, I guess you could run it on a PC, but if it doesn't have a touchscreen, you're not going to have a good time. Uh, so one uh, very notable feature is that Fosh was upgraded to 0.17. In this release, uh, Fosh is the shell that is built uh, with GTK components. So, uh, not what is called GNOME Shell, which exists on the desktop, but it's like the phone version of GNOME Shell. Uh, and uh, they also added a release upgrade tool uh, in this version. So, now rather than having to reinstall your entire OS whenever Postmarket OS uh, puts out a new version. You can just run one command and it'll install, it'll uh, upgrade you to their latest OS. So really cool. I love seeing uh, alternative OSs outside of Android and iOS because, you know, their market share is like 98% or 99%, greater than 99%. Uh, and being someone who owns a Linux phone, this is the Manjaro version of the Pine phone. Uh, you know, I've tinkered around with these OSs quite a bit and I really, uh, I, I really hope that we can get an OS to the level where people would be willing to use it outside of Android and 
iOS because it's the you know the fact that we have that duopoly is so damaging to customers. It basically means like there's no innovation. Uh, I mean, sure, like Google and Apple will innovate periodically, but like you know the amount of innovation that we could have, uh, you know, we're we're nowhere near that. Uh, and if you don't believe me, look at what happened with phones after we broke up AT and T. Yeah, but but we have Windows phones, right? That's still a thing, right? I wish uh, <laughs> Windows Phone was actually good. Did you ever use it? No, <laughs> it was good. It was real good. I, I saw it on Burn Notice like a lot. Yeah, okay. Windows Phone was actually a very enjoyable experience. Uh. Yeah, I wish we had Windows phones, but we don't. Just Android and iOS. That's it. But yeah, that's all for uh, my stories this week. All right. Well, I got three. Should be fairly quick. Uh, This first one here is from Ars Technica, and it's Google put an engineer on leave after the engineer claimed that their chatbot is sentient. I don't think their chatbot is sentient. I think the person was probably put on leave because they're cuckoo birds. And um, that's that's my take. I don't know exactly if that's the reason. But if you uh, if you look in the show notes, you could see some of their conversation. It's just like, uh, that's L-A-M-D-A, is that Lambda? It's like, hi, I'm knowledgeable, friendly, and always helpful automatic language model for dialogue applications. And then a person said, Hi, Lambda. We're engineers at Google, and we were wondering if you would like to work on a project collaboratively with us. And it said, and then the AI says, wow, what types of projects? And it just goes on like this. It's fairly conversational, but I don't think it's uh, evidence of sentience from this uh, artificial intelligence or whatever. And I think the person is just kind of lost the plot. And Google was like, yeah, you're not okay. We probably got to put you on leave for a little bit. (laughs) But there's been a bit of controversy around it, and you can find some information on Twitter, you can find people arguing about it as as you do on Twitter, um, and I'm just skeptical that the thing is sentient. I read the whole conversation. I encourage other people to read it. It's it's a pretty good conversational. Um, it's the model's fairly good at conversation, better than I thought it would be. But I don't think that really means it's sentient. I think that mostly yeah. just means that it's good at conversation. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, read a I, little bit of the the um script or what dialogue they had there uh and it seemed like just a really good chat bot Mm -hmm. (laughs) or at least they were really good at limiting what they were asking to stuff the chat bot could handle really well and sound very human yeah i think we will get to the point where computers where ai is sentient but we're nowhere even close to that right now well i mean you have to define what sentient means uh sure but like case, human level we sentience have, we're nowhere even close yeah i think we have a, a definition and there's like certain things that something that sentient has to be able to do to be considered sentient right we actually don't have a definition of sentient if you wanted to check oh. out uh aaron rabinowitz's show embrace the void uh he had, they had a whole conversation about ai and sentience with uh somebody involved in machine learning and it it became the conversation became quite muddled and hard to understand because it got into a bunch of philosophical ideas of like what is the mind what is the sense of self how do we even know that we have our own mind it got into that kind of stuff and so you end up asking 
as many questions about yourself as you do about like AI models. If you really start to get into whether or not an AI is sentient. And I think that's pretty much how it's always going to be because you start asking, you know, like you just start asking about the computer program and then you're like, well, wait a minute, I don't do that either. <laughs> so yeah. or I don't always do that either. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it, it becomes a little more complicated than that. But I think the guy, I think the person is on leave because they are coopers. Yeah. Or just at least going a little further than Google's. Well, probably a lot further than Google's willing to, to go. Didn't get uh, permission to say stuff like that. Drinking their own Kool-Aid, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But, it, it's, but an that, inter- it's interesting. And the chatbot has come a long way since. I don't know if anybody ever had Dr. Spazzo that came with their Sound Blaster card. Sure has come a long way <laughs> since Dr. Spazzo. Um, up next, we got this is also this one's from The Verge. Uh, this is Bitcoin drops under $25,000. Um, other cryptocurrencies, including Ethereum, have dropped uh, significantly, not as hard as Bitcoin has, but it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight to the drop because it's now over the last couple of days, it's continued to drop. I think it's under 22 grand now. Um, it's bad news for people who are heavily invested in cryptocurrency and good news for people like me who uh, want a graphics card. Um <laughs> Angry noises, angry noises, angry noises, <laughs> angry noises. Um, I think it, it leveled off. So it's not below 22,000. Oh, but it's still under 25,000. Yeah. I, I looked before the show, but maybe I, maybe my graph was old or I wasn't reading it right or whatever, but pretty sure. <clears throat> but um, I don't know. But any case, <clears throat> I don't know, whatever. Um, it was rather sudden. That's like the, the big thing is just, Last night, basically, it dropped quite a lot uh, overnight. Wow. Um, is Elon yawning, Musk manipulating is a, is a its hard... price again? What? Is Elon Musk manipulating its price on Twitter no, again? No, what happened, and I don't know if Dave like talked about this, so the, in, in the headline here, Celsius froze. So Celsius is a lending platform, and they were lending out, basically you, you deposit your Bitcoin and then you can get a loan on that Bitcoin. And I don't know all the details of what is going wrong, but they're having problems and they froze the ability for people to, re, to pull their Bitcoin back out. Mm. And that is always an extremely bad sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's usually a precursor to, to whatever, uh, exchange or i mean we haven't really had lending platforms for that long um i don't know if many of them collapse but it it looks like this it's probably going to collapse and celsius was a pretty big one so it's very worrisome and that freaked out the market and things went downhill pretty pretty quick last night so a lot of times if an institution won't let you pull your money out yeah i have i have news for you they don't have it yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying i think that's like the it it requires very few assumptions and with the amount of scams and dishonesty and just kind of really honestly like really crappy people running these companies around crypto the idea that somebody Mm -hmm. took the bitcoin and ran um yeah or took some of it or is leveraging well, that Bitcoin in some other way to try to make money yeah. somewhere else where you can't get at it. Yeah. The, the, 
the whole idea behind Bitcoin is that the ledger is public. So you would be able to see where your Bitcoin has moved along the blockchain. Uh, so if they moved your Bitcoin into someone else's wallet, you'd be able to see that. Um, so if, if, and this is an if, I don't know, if they were all holding all the Bitcoins in one wallet and it's still there, then they have the Bitcoins. They just may have debt that exceeds the value of those Bitcoins. Which yeah. could be the case if Bitcoin just dumped. Yeah. If they took out loans against the Bitcoin that you gave them to take a loan out. Oh, yikes. All right. I see. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> it's yeah. a, it's a, it's not a house of cards. We're going to call this a house of coins. <laughs> <clears throat> bad news, <clears throat> bad news for a lot of people, but um, this is, you know, you buy a certain kind of ticket. You take a certain kind of ride. This is a very volatile, yeah. very volatile market. And like I said, people who want to, people who want a video card are probably dancing in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not Bitcoin. It's the, cause Bitcoin you can't do with a video card anymore. Right. But when Bitcoin yeah, goes down, the rest of the, the rest of the market tends to the rest of the whole, the whole yeah. crypto market tends to follow it. Like, uh, yep. Yep. Ethereum's down 15 something percent. And that's the one that people are using GPU for. And that's, yeah, it, it may continue to go down. Um, this isn't something I know that much about. I just saw it and I was like, damn, 25 K. I was like, that's a third of where it was. Like when everybody was like to the moon, baby. And I was like, Oh <laughs> God, you're, I was like, just, just, if you're going to have some a person with more money, steal your money from you, just do it in the stock market. Like your mother used to do, or like your father <laughs> used to do. <laughs> if you're going to get ripped off, do it the old fashioned way and buy, buy <laughs> stock. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got one more and it's something that I thought was kind of funny because it's a service that I didn't think was even still in existence. But then I went and checked my uh, Gmail and it turns out it is uh, Google talk, which is the chat that was built into Gmail is a uh, going away on Thursday, which is shocking. I use a mail client for all my email, except for of course, HK's service. And so I don't see Google talk, but I do remember using it kind of a lot, like 12 years ago, like, <laughs> like when they're like when people were using it and it just, it's, it's funny to me that this has been around this whole time and that, that Google like never leveraged it to do anything with it. Cause it's attached to your yeah. Gmail it's lightweight. It runs next to your Gmail. They could have easily made an app for your phone for it. Everybody already has it. And they just yep. were like, they just like, here's like 16 other different kinds of messengers that you might use <laughs> between the time they put out this G talk, this G chat, this Google talk or whatever. And now nobody ever used any of them. And they wasted all this time trying to do like, what is it? Duo and hangouts. And I actually liked hangouts. Well, I think for a hangouts, while. hangouts took over for, what originally was Google talk and now the Google talk in Gmail is powered by hangouts. But then like they came out with hangouts chat, which is a completely different thing than hangouts. And now they're trying to like push that and they're dropping the thing that actually had users. Right. Like you said, <laughs> like they could have just, they yep. could have just like, they never got the, they never had a good messaging strategy. And I think that they just kind of like, kept trying to do new things instead of improve on the one that people like already kind of liked, right? There was already some nostalgia yeah. around having that chat. 
like off to the left in your in your Gmail. I remember thinking that was well, the coolest thing about Gmail was that I could actually just chat my buddy Greg instead of emailing him if he was online right there from the same place that I would send him an email attached to the same account and he would get it in the same place that he would get his email. And I was like, this is brilliant. And then they're just like, actually don't use this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to understand how things work at Google. So if you want to get a promotion, you got to make a chat app. And that's basically <laughs> why they, they pro proliferated. But then the, the end of that is you probably end up having your, your position destroyed because then they get rid of the chat app that you were like the lead, uh, the lead on. Well, no, you got your promotion, so you don't care anymore. <laughs> so then they <laughs> abandon the chat app. <laughs> I just feel like they just, the, this whole time they had the right one. Yeah, yeah being I know. Built and they in, invented like five more that, that all in suck. that time. No, <laughs> and then they killed all those off and now they're killing the good one off. Well, they, so they had hangouts right for a while where they were like, it was a better application for video chat than Skype, which wasn't really a tough hill to climb, but <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, then they, I forget what they did to that. I think they like tried to integrate that or they tried to disintegrate that with Google voice or they did something to it that screwed it all up. Oh no. I think they took out the video call from it and made you use duo. And that yeah. was all well and good, except yeah. that Duo, I think you had to use it on your phone, which wasn't really <laughs> why they, why wouldn't you have it be cross-platform? But then I think they also tried to integrate Hangouts with like text messaging on Android, mm -hmm. like while they were trying to switch people to Duo or right before or whatever. It just sounds like you'd think that a company with that much money could have just like thrown a bunch of money at the at a single messenger and got some market share with it, but no, and now they're killing it. Yeah. When they broke out the video from hangouts, uh, they replaced or they, they made a new video thing called hangouts meet, which came out, a, I think a, just before hangouts chat, the new version <laughs> of what like basically is their slack competitor so it's hangouts chat and hangouts are two completely different projects when i was at google i worked on the project that's now hangouts chat which is becoming i think google chat or google i don't know they're changing the name again but anyway so hangouts meet came out and hangouts meet was great it was like a, a really good video messaging app but you had to have a g suite account to use it and See, most people don't have a G Suite account. Like, unless you run a small business or a big business, then you probably don't have a G Suite account. So everyone else had to use Duo. And to use Duo, like Dave said, you had to use it on your phone. They just really like... <clears throat> I just feel like Facebook Messenger is a superior product to any uh, to all of this crap that Google did. And you're never going to nope. hear me saying that Facebook's got the best juju out there, but at least they just picked one thing and stuck with it. And they may have made it worse over time. They probably did. They made it like worse for worse for the consumer, probably worse for the people working on the project, but at least they picked one and stuck with it. I can't even tell yeah. you how many times Google is like, Oh, we're going to do a messaging. We're going to do a messaging. I don't understand. Like, why didn't they just take the one and just keep, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it, the, the fact that it was just right over there to the left in your in your Gmail was brilliant. 
as someone with ADHD, I totally understand Google because they are a company <laughs> with ADHD. Well, yep. But you'd think that the people in charge of the projects would be like, well, let's not do it this way. We could. They probably all have ADHD. I'm hesitant to diagnose <laughs> unnamed people at Google, but. Um, I just, they, they just really screwed up because they had it from the drop. Like that was the best yep. and they could have just integrated video right on top of that thing. Been like, Hey, if you want to yep. do video, we're going to uh, have to pop this open in a new window. It was, they did. They had video in that and it just popped. It, pro it probably did exactly that. Right. Like, like we yeah, need to pop exactly. open a new, a new tab, whatever video service that, you know, it was doing, but yeah, you were able to click on the little video icon and it would, on. Um, you know, hovering next to the person you're talking to, uh, chatting with, and it would just open a new window and start a, start a video conference. You could even, if I were, if I recall correctly, if both people were on Gmail, like if they emailed you, you could see if they were online and just put, press a button and start chatting with them instead of emailing. Yep. Like that was just, yeah. the, that yep. was the first time I saw that. I was like, this is great. I was like, this is yeah. like sort of like AOL instant messenger where you could send people messages, except this doesn't suck. <laughs> this doesn't suck or run on a dial-up remind right. me after the show because i'm not going to say it on air but after the show i will tell you about how i am approaching this problem in my own email app <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna make email that doesn't suck i understand <laughs> yep uh, and pretty soon i i will actually start talking about it on this show so stay tuned keep listening i will talk about my own email app which is called port 87 if you if you want to like read about it just go to port87.com uh but yeah i i've thought a lot about this problem great that'd be, that'd be fantastic if one person integrates email and um chat in a way that a massive mm -hmm. behemoth of technology once did and then decided was the wrong way to do it yep <laughs> or somehow <laughs> somehow better anyway I'm going to, I'll read us out because I am an expert at reading out. I am not a reading out <laughs> intern. Everybody, thanks for listening to How the Tech Are You. Matt and HK, thank you for uh, co-hosting this show. And uh, Matt, thanks for doing uh, most of the work on this show so far and uh, carrying Good. most of the the load because I don't, I don't have time for this. Um, you can find our other shows at echoplexmedia.com. Check out our live schedule. It's right there on our homepage. Also, check out our wiki at plexwiki.xyz. You will be shocked and amazed by some of the things that are there, and you'll be confused by some things that aren't there. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you follow the YouTube channel. Subscribe and um, bell that ring or whatever. And um, tell your friends about this show because we're trying to get more people to listen to it because that's the main reason you do a podcast. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>